You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 165. It's now August 2018. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Here to discuss the build to WWE's second, maybe third biggest show of the year. It's the biggest party of the summer, Liam. It's SummerSlam! What do you think of the build to this show? Uh, I'm not really feeling super excited, but uh, there are some... Some minor things that I'm that I'm looking forward to, I suppose. That's fair. Uh, it seems really like like SmackDown is maybe the more interesting show right now. <laughs> um, Raw Raw is pretty dreadful right now. It'd almost have to be by default, right? Yeah, I mean, there was a Zelina Vega Lana match this week. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> um. Somehow they can't get everyone on TV on that show, but they had time for that. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll start with uh, the women's. Um, it's Becky Lynch turning heel. It, that's what they want you to think, certainly. Uh, at, the, at the end of this, is, is Charlotte going to turn heel again? I, I mean, if you were looking at the strengths of those two women as performers and you were trying to decide which one you would turn heel. I think you would probably say to turn Charlotte. I think I would probably turn to say Charlotte. I would say to turn Charlotte, but uh, I'm not sure the, uh, the old man feels that way. And I could absolutely see them turning Becky Lynch. I mean, we said the same thing about uh, Sammy Zane and probably Bailey at different points. Um, Becky Lynch is like the consummate baby face. She's Ricky Steamboat or Sting or somebody. Despite what Vince Russo eternally trying, (laughs) you could never turn Sting heel. And nobody really ever managed. I think TNA also tried to turn Ricky Steamboat heel at one point. But uh, (laughs) wouldn't shock me in the early days. But uh, yeah, those there's certain people that should just be baby faces forever. And uh, they can go through, you know, character metamorphoses like Sting did over his career. But in general, they should always kind of be the baby face, the consummate hero. And yeah, Becky certainly seems like one of those characters. So the WWE title picture over there, AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, 13, 14 years after TNA did it. I don't know. Like, as you know fans that do a pro wrestling podcast on the internet, you would think that this would be right up our alley. Specifically, this would be right up my alley. And yet I can't help but feel I've I've seen this a lot for a lot of years. And yeah, it's been, you know, probably eight or eh, eight years maybe since they had a high profile singles match. Um, But I I'm just having a difficult time getting excited about Joe and AJ. Um, and I know you, your AJ Styles take that maybe he's not as great as he used to be. 
Um, but what are your thoughts on the, how the AJ and Samoa Joe uh, WWE title program is being built? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna shock shock the world with my hot takes here. Uh, Samoa Joe, great promo. Uh, <laughs> he really has, is. Cuts cut a uh, very good interview. I thought the segment where they revealed he was the challenger was very good as well. Um, he's just he's on another level when it comes to talking and. Uh, for his own good, he's not good at comedy, so he gets to always play a serious, angry badass, and it works. So uh, I've really enjoyed Joe's work. Um, AJ really hasn't gotten to do a ton so far. Obviously, the fuse kind of still in its its first few weeks here, so we'll see as we get closer to SummerSlam. But I, I am more excited for this than I would say anything else that they are building for SummerSlam currently. And that's mostly to the credit of, uh, of Mr. Joe. That's a good take. I like that. And how about the, uh, the Daniel Bryan and the Miz feud to work shoot for you? Or are you enjoying it? Oh, Daniel Bryan tried to punch a baby last week. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There is that. I, I missed SmackDown last week and like looked at my phone after and saw a notification that like Daniel Bryan punted a baby or something and I'm like, ugh, what what am Miz, I doing? <laughs> they they did the spot from the original final deletion where Miz throws the fake baby and and Brian catches it and then Miz beats him up. Um mm. made famous by by uh, the Hardy boys. Um but this was not as good. <laughs> so <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's not lighting my world on fire. My favorite, my other favorite part was when Miz suggested that Daniel Bryan should just let his contract expire and the <laughs> crowd cheered wildly <laughs> because even like regular WWE fans know that Daniel Bryan should probably go for his, if, if he were interested in having like artistic success should probably not be in WWE. So I thought that was funny. It's not lighting my world on fire. And I know a lot of people were anticipating this feud because they remember the old stuff when, you know, when Miz was Daniel Bryan's pro on NXT or they remember the the talking smack promos or whatever. But yeah, this is, uh, this has been, yeah, there's some of that work shoot stuff in here too, but it's just, it's not, it's not lighting my world on fire. What about you? Uh, see, I, I don't think they would go on television and do this kind of thing if they didn't have an inkling, at least, that Brian is resigning. And so it, it's really hard for me to um, buy into the to buy into the promos the way I would say when CM Punk was about to leave the WWE in whatever year that was now, 2012, 2011, 2011. Oh. So old. Yeah. <laughs> but um I can't buy into it for that reason. And I just don't see there's I don't I don't see him leaving because his wife does a reality show um that the the company helps produce. So I, I just I don't see it. So I, I can't buy the promo, so I'm not that into it. But Yeah, that's fair. And that kind of makes it even more depressing. (laughs) They should, you know, what they should do, though, is they should recreate that segment where Brett came out in 1996 and pretended he was going to WCW and then announced he had signed his contract. You should even put, you can put Vince on commentary to recreate that for one night. 
Uh, maybe not that part, but you can have you can have you can have Tom Phillips react Oof. positively to uh, Daniel Oof. announcing that he's staying with the company. That might be the best scene in uh, Wrestling with Shadows. That's pretty great. Where Brett cuts the promos and I'll because I'll be in the WWF forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> LOL. Oh my goodness. That We're not going to talk about Wrestling with Shadows right now. We're not going to talk about Montreal. I could talk about. I'm so tired of talking about Montreal. I could talk about Montreal for three hours. <laughs> Speaking of Matt Hardy and the final deletion, well, you mentioned him in passing there, Liam. So uh, I will take the the segue and take any opportunity to crap on Matt Hardy. Uh, <laughs> I, I know we've kind of softened our stance on don't be Matt Hardy and hating Matt Hardy, and we're generally pretty enter- entertained by Matt Hardy nowadays. I think, but did you notice he's doing his attention whoring thing on social media again? Like teasing a retirement. Yeah, it's uh, old old habits die hard, and that's that's always where to me the, the heart of this of that phrase of "Don't be Matt Hardy" was. It was specifically referring to like 2008 to 2010 uh, WWE Matt Hardy. Um, that's that especially, and if you watch that Hardy Boys documentary they just did on the network, especially that era Matt Hardy is not the Matt Hardy you want to be. And yeah, uh, current day Matt Hardy, who's you know a good family man now, has has been been doing some uh, pretty twenty ten ish Matt Hardy things. So yeah, it's, it's, let's watch that. All right, let's let's nip that in the bud. He's a family guy. <laughs> good family man. <laughs> Speaking of things that we are right about, well, specifically things that Liam is right about. You called Tommaso Ciampa winning the NXT Championship on this show months ago. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's funny. Uh, I kind of thought they moved up the timeline a little bit more than I expected. I was expecting Ciampa to win at Brooklyn. I thought maybe they'd pair him with uh, Aleister Black and, and Gargano would have a match on the undercard. But they decided to do the title switch on TV instead and uh, have... And uh, do a three-way at this at this takeover Brooklyn show instead, but yeah, pretty pretty exciting, uh, interesting moments. I don't think you're going to find a lot of people that uh, will say Tomaso Ciampa is doing a bad job with his current character. So uh, yeah, he's that's the top feud, and if that's the top feud, that should be the t- the feud with the title on the line, right? That's old school. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, we thought maybe that. You know when they went back to the well for the second takeover, that with that match on, t- you know, on top, that maybe they were going back to the well one too many times, and now we're getting a third match. Uh, too much? Uh, I think you can argue that. Uh, just because, again, if you remember the first match, which was, you know, pretty much, you know, by a lot of people's standards, was pretty much a perfect match, and it ended with. Gargano getting the win by submission. Um, it's tough to then go back and have the heel get his heat back. Not that Gargano or not that Champa is not a great heel, and he's cut some really good promos. And but it's kind of it, it can't help but feel like you're just retreading stuff you've already done at this point. Uh, obviously, adding adding Black, adding another body is one way to freshen that up. But my thought is that it's probably going to be Champa will retain here. And then they'll do the final one-on-one Gargano Champa match at the November show, and that's a lot of TV time um, to 
basically it's almost an entire year uh, focused around one single feud. And you know, we talk about you know main roster feuds getting getting worn out. Now that's a little tougher because they have three hours to fill every week, so stuff gets run to the ground a lot quicker. But yeah, I think you can make an argument that this that we'd maybe already seen the best that these guys have, but you know, I'd love to be proven wrong. Monday night raw is still Monday night raw is still the flagship show of WWE. They have three hours in prime time on one of the most watched cable networks in the United States, the USA network. Correct. Stop me. If you heard this, the top feud on this show right now, is Roman Reigns challenging Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship at the next big show? Uh, did you watch a rerun? <laughs> no. No, this was new material because they found new ways to infuriate me in building this <laughs> feud. Look, I really wanted to see this match the first time at the Mania in San Francisco. I was okay with seeing it a second time at Mania this year. We're now getting it for the third time this year, and it hasn't it has never been good. Yeah. <laughs> um the first match was good. Uh, three and a half years ago in San Francisco. None of the ensuing matches between those two have been good. They made Brock Lesnar, I don't know how they're going to I mean I just I think they're acting as though Brock is just never coming back uh, even though I think that's a ridiculous bet and they are just completely trashing him as a character on on television he looks terrible yeah <laughs> he also looks like he's in the drug testing pool for mixed martial arts which he is um they took a they took some liberties with their storyline their show long storyline on Monday where Brock was backstage reading magazines and Paul Heyman had to convince him to come out to keep his job I didn't know that Paul Heyman was employed by WWE in storyline I thought he was the advocate for Brock Lesnar Well that's what we've always been told if you remember when when Paul first came back it was Hunter was was challenging Brock to a fight cuz you know Hunter had to get you know, had to fight Brock twice. <laughs> and uh, and Paul came out as, as the advocate, the negotiator for Brock Lesnar having another wrestling match. And really, that's all we've known the whole time. So I, I don't know. It, you know, this could have been explained away very, very simply, as, as you and uh, some other people pointed out on Twitter. If, you know, one of the announcers just mentioned, well, if you're going to appear on WWE television, you have to have... A contract with the company as well no matter who you're managing or representing but uh they didn't say that so yeah it was somewhat news to me when when they announced that uh when kurt announced that he could fire paul Heyman and prevent him from being brock's associate basically i i also don't like that kurt has that far away look in his eye permanently and he took an f5 on monday yeah, I think about that every time they let Kurt wrestle. And they'll probably let Kurt wrestle again, like, this year. So, I uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe if he could bend his knees or it didn't look like every step it took hurt him or, like, he has to think about saying the most simple sentences. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, maybe, maybe it wouldn't be so terrifying. 
do we want to go down the rabbit hole here of how they've bought Roman Reigns, the, the text conversation that we had? Or, uh, I mean, we can just do a, a broad strokes because we probably talked about it on the show before. But, <laughs> I mean, if you look at just what they've done this year, if you eliminate the last four or five, however long this has been going on now, six, when did the Shield debut? 12? Uh, I think that was the end of twelve, yeah. Okay, so almost almost six years. Uh, this was this was the plan, and uh, if we just go to this year and the way that they've booked everything, and you know they they built up Braun again, all big, and Roman pinned him in Elimination Chamber, and you went to Mania, and you had a swerve in mind, so you 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 beat Roman clean, and then you had Roman complain about how he was swerved by the office. And then you had Joe come out and say, you're a whiny punk who always loses, and everyone cheered. And then they had a really boring match where people left during it. And then Roman wrestled Jinder, and he beat him. And then Roman did a clean job to Dash Wilder on an <laughs> episode of Raw. And then he did a clean job to Bob Lashley at uh, the last pay-per-view. And then he just beat Bob Lashley again, which is when it occurred to me that when you, when you, ever you see someone being built up on Monday Night Raw, even if they beat Roman Reigns on their way up, the end result is always going to be they are going to then be fed to Roman Reigns. Oof. He's a good worker, you know. I just He is. It's just it's just it's just too late. <laughs> <laughs> this this was Vince's last opportunity to handpick a top guy, and he'll be damned if he puts anyone else in that spot while he's still. I mean, he would still be doing the picking, right? If he just picked Seth or whoever, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or picks somebody new from picks Matt Riddle or you know whoever down the line like he could still do he'd still be doing the picking it's just like he really doesn't want to admit he was made and that's like i don't think roman can't be a top guy and maybe at this point with television deals and all this crazy amounts of revenue it doesn't matter who the top guy is but it's just but it you can't help but look at it and just see it as anything other than spiteful He's mad and he hates his fans and he wants them to like what he wants to give them. This, that I've I've mentally made peace with that at this point. The thing that that gets me that really strikes me maybe as the most sad thing about the continued uh push of Roman as the focal point of Monday Night Raw. Uh, as you mentioned, the Shield debuted at the end of 2012. We're now almost six full years into Roman's main roster run. Now, most of that was not as, or about half of that was not as a single, but about half of it has been. Just picture Cena debuted on the main roster in 2002. Um, six years into John Cena's run was 2008, which you could make a, you could probably make a pretty good argument that that was John Cena's peak. <laughs> Uh, maybe 07, like culturally, uh, pop culture wise. Well, obviously he's he's much bigger now than he was in 2007. But yeah, as a wrestler, of, yeah, in terms of being a rest, a top wrestling star that the general public was aware of, I feel like 2007 John Cena had a little bit of of steam. 
um, that was basically halfway through his run <laughs> as as the guy. We're already now more than halfway through Roman's run as the guy, <laughs> and it hasn't started yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's year six now. How long are we gonna do this? I and I like you could just put the you could have just left the belt on him when he won it. You, you could have just had him win the belt from Brock in 2015. You could have when he finally did beat Hunter for the belt. He could have just held it. And obviously, he ended up getting suspended that year. But um, like you could have you could have just left the belt on him theoretically, or you know put him put it back on him or whatever. And we could have just established, yes, he is the top guy. He's the number one guy. We do that anyway, but also he's not the world. We were just talking about it with NXT, how, okay, they they realized that the top program didn't involve the world title, so they put the world title on one of the guys in the top program to remedy that. It's like Roman's like the U.S. champion half the time or the Intercontinental champion half the time, or he's doing tags or whatever. And he's still the main event all the time, which begs the question, why don't you just have him be the champion? Sure. He's going be the champion for five years, if that's what you want. <laughs> yes, the psychology of this is almost as strange as the Jim Ross-Vince McMahon relationship. <laughs> it's incredible. I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to turn this into an, an exposition on, on Roman Reigns as the top guy. I feel like that's pretty well, well-traveled territory, but... And I do think it's worth pointing out, since you know we're we're all about the bright side on this show, theoretically, um, <laughs> is that like as you mentioned, and as I've said before, like he's like we think he's like he's a good personality when he's, but he doesn't say no to bad scripts. Not that really anybody does in that company, but you would think he would be able to, and he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And he's you know he's a good worker but and he does have a certain pattern type of main event match but so does every other top guy there's ever been so it's not like there's theoretically there's there's nothing wrong with him other than that they people wanted daniel bryan to be the top guy and vince tried to knock that toy out of out of your hand it's a little bit like I, 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 you probably haven't seen jurassic park 3 i'm guessing I haven't seen Jurassic Park 1, 2, or 3. Okay. There's been like seven of them now. But Jurassic cool. Park 3, they introduce a new dinosaur. <laughs> and the, the whole there's a big moment where it confronts the T-Rex, which is like the mascot of Jurassic Park. It's in the logo and everything. And, and this new dinosaur just destroys the T-Rex in like two minutes. And it's supposed to be this moment. And it was, the idea was, well, now kids will buy the new toys of the new dinosaur because, well, it's much tougher and cooler than the old best cool dinosaur. So that's what they try to do is basically, you know, the, the concept of knocking the old toy out of the kid's hand and saying, you want to play with this now. You want to cheer this guy now. But the fans didn't want to. They tried everything. They got, you know, Daniel Bryan. I'm not going to read, you know, I don't want to redo the entire 2015 Royal Rumble right now. <laughs> but that, that was what they did. And from that moment... It didn't work, and they could have turned him heel. They could have done a million other things, but they didn't, and it's not his fault. He's very talented. He could be a top guy, but he, it's, now it's six years in, and we're still, we're still trying to just get started. You know, you know what else they could have done that you talked about as being, uh, or that I thought was a good idea at the time, 
you talked about as being really terrible. And in hindsight, you were correct, and I was wrong. Uh, remember when they took the they put the belt on Roman like on a random raw in December, and then they had him lose it in January just so he could win it again from Hunter at the biggest WrestleMania of all time in yes. in in the beginning of April. Yeah, why, why didn't they just leave the title on him and and have him beat Triple H if Triple H well, wanted you, the main event? Well, you see, Hunter had no choice because Seth got hurt that year, <laughs> and Hunter had to win the belt in order to. <laughs> in order to do that match. There was no other choice. I feel like that was as close to this thing working as it ever was, you know, when Philly cheered him. And I don't remember the subsequent TVs. I don't feel like it was a consistent positive reaction in, in the ensuing weeks. But I feel like that was their shot, and they missed it. Yeah, and, I mean, they, they did some interesting stuff out of that. Him and AJ Styles had a feud over the title. For a couple of months, they had some wild bras. Like they did, at least it felt like okay. He's having really good matches, and he's oh, he's the top guy, and he's the champion. That at least makes sense. Now, and of course, he got suspended, and they did the brand split, and we were off to the races from there. But yeah, it's just it's been a long. I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one thing. One thing we learned here tonight. It's that Liam uh, was right about. Liam is just right about everything. Yep, that's usually a safe bet. Liam, I think it's time for boss time. Uh-oh. And now, it's boss time. Well, the boss and hug connection ran wild again on Monday Night Raw this week. Their second consecutive victory in the Raw Women's Tag Team Division, which includes one other team. <laughs> the Ruby Riot-less Riot squad. Sasha and Bailey are friends again this week and are going to be for the time being, it would seem, until they turn on each other again and yet never have a a blow-off match in this uh, frenemies feud. They have matching gear, though, that Sasha Sutton made for them, which Uh-oh. I thought was a nice touch. Uh-huh. And in a related note, uh, I am going to be in New York for some of SummerSlam weekend, and I may be attending another autograph signing um uh, starring Sasha Banks. So I'll have that to report back to on this show. I wonder which of my Sasha Banks t-shirts I should wear to this <laughs> Would you look at that? We're out of time. What? <laughs> that was boss time. All right. So uh, are they going to make women's tag team titles? I asked you a couple weeks ago. Well, that's, I'll just ask you again until they do it. Pro- probably. I, they're probably going to take all of the Mae Young Classic women and sign, you know, 
six or eight or twelve of them and make tag uh, make a tag division and tag belts. That's my guess. I don't know where else you're going to get. I mean, they have a million women under contract, but I don't think that there's like a lot of television ready talent down in NXT that they haven't already tapped. So I feel like the May Young Classic is probably the entry the entry point for. Um, yeah, what the, how they could build a tag division, and maybe by the time that Evolution show rolls around, they'll uh, they'll put. Oh, Evolution! The, you mean the all women's pay per view that's coming this October? <laughs> yes, yes. Did you, did you know that women can do things now? <laughs> They're people since two thousand and uh, two thousand and fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we we didn't do a show last week, so I guess we can just mention that briefly here as our you know our, our notes as we're kind of re- heading towards the end here, but. Yeah, I don't know. My instinct is to be very cynical about all that, but uh, I understand that this does mean something, and I looked at... I tried to look at it as you can look at the cynical corporate side of this, but it very clearly means a lot to a lot of the women under contract, and it probably does mean something to a lot of fans of women's wrestling. Uh, I won't go into great detail, but you did mention to me the mere idea that you might see, say... Sasha Banks wrestle Trish Stratus or something on this show would be, you know, would be really exciting and cool for you to see. And so I, I'm trying to look at, at the bright side of it, the, the creepy, slimy corporate side of an all women's pay-per-view and the way WWE has treated women over the years, notwithstanding that's I'm, I'm looking, I'm trying to look at it as the positives and that's that most of the women working for that company seemed very genuinely happy and excited to be a part of that. And, uh, I mean, that's, and for better or worse, WWE is really the only place where like you can make a lot of money as a female wrestler currently. So uh, I don't know, glass half full on that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I am, I'm writing about the G one on all the weekend shows over at wrestlingobserver.com. Uh, tremendous wrestling is going on there, but uh, I mean, just, at least every show you're going to get two blow away singles matches. And yet the match on planet earth that I am the most excited at the prospect of is Sasha Banks against Trish Stratus. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, sometimes it's, it's not just what the best, the best actual bell to bell matches. Sometimes it's just who you like, who you're, who you're excited to see the characters. Uh, yeah. G one's G one's really good. Uh, she and Abushi uh, had a, incredibly insane match uh last weekend and just and there's been a million other performances since then that i'm sure i've missed that i need to catch up on i heard the uh omega and saber jr match was really entertaining uh, i'll have to get to that but uh yeah no no shortage of of good wrestling there on uh in, certainly at least in new japan and uh we've we managed to find some bright spots in the midst of our roman reigns bewilderment uh daniel bryan attacking a baby and uh, uh, whatever else we talked about this week. You know, if I were booking the Evolution show, the match I would do is Bailey and Sasha against Trish and Lita. That sounds like a main event to me. I mean, maybe one of the title matches would be the main event, but it's probably Ronda winning the belt or yeah. something. But yeah, that's that's an interesting idea. I mean, my other idea would be if they if if they do women's tag matches and they're cross brand to do Bailey and Sasha against uh, Charlotte and Becky as your finals for your women's tag titles. That would be 
I think another uh, really interesting matchup. But there's a there's a lot of potential interesting matchups if you start looking at generational clashes, though. Yeah, that's 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 a pretty strong main event too. Anyway, all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we got a special show coming coming up next week. Do you want to sell that a little bit, Liam? Yeah, uh, next week episode one sixty six will be a retrospective on NXT Takeover. There's been quite a few of them. We're coming up on the fourth uh, NXT Brooklyn Takeover Brooklyn show. So we're going to be looking back at uh, the, our personal favorite matches uh, from the history of NXT TakeOver, going all the way back to the shows in Full Sail to where they are right now. And uh, we'll also be talking about who the, the greatest performers in the history of NXT are. So it's going to be a fun show, a lot, lot of you know reminiscing about stuff that's not really that old, but you look at it and, by God, it's already been about four years since they started doing those shows, so... Yep, we got a retrospective on NXT coming next week, and then the week after that, we'll be back to uh, preview SummerSlam and the newest NXT TakeOver, so stay tuned for all of that. Until next time, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. And we'll be back next week with more stories from the wrestling life. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. I have jury duty tomorrow morning. Oh, cool. Awesome. Baltimore City. Excellent. I had the, the, the one time I've actually had jury duty, I had to go down there too because I had federal jury duty. That sounds terrible. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, I, it was just a day, but it wasn't. It wasn't the most fun I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, I thought you got stuck longer. Uh, no. I okay. was on. I was on call for like a month straight. Oh, that's and I had what... to like check a, a website every like Saturday or every like Sunday night to see if I was on if I was being called in for the next morning. Okay. Great story. <sighs> Compelling and rich. <laughs> Sorry, this is my this is my issue. I brought up jury duty. <laughs>
You think I didn't do a good enough job? No, no, you did a fine job. I was no, 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 no. It was a passive-aggressive no, 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 stab. No, man, passive the way I was not annoyed. I had enough of you. A piece of this? You want a piece of this? A piece of what? This? This? Yeah, I don't want a piece of that. Want. Yeah, come over here. I'll, I'll slap you to death. Yeah, come over here. Do you know what? I wish other late-night talk show hosts that weren't working today because it's Memorial Day would phone me or something. <laughs> Hello? Hey, it's uh, Jay Leno. Jay Leno, oh. how you doing? Eh? It's good to uh, go to talk to you out here cooking some meat, you know, cooking a little bit of... Let's see if I can get that glittery ball. You know, it looks uh, pretty good there. It's a good deal. It's not bad. $17.99? Yeah, it's a good deal. Throw in the tape for free. Uh, uh, Studio 54. Uh, uh, it's like Jay Leno is a fly. <laughs> I'll be back in uh, eight months. Uh, can never get rid of him, can you? <laughs> you mentioned Matt Hardy, the Hardy Boys, and the the final deletion and passing there. I think one of the one of the tenets that we live by on this show is not to be Matt Hardy, and we've maybe softened that stance a little bit. Maybe softened that stance a little bit in the last couple of years. Jesus Christ! Give me a second here. <laughs> I try to keep on keeping on.